Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Okay, good to have you with us this morning. Thank you for coming and sharing in both our Sunday school hour and our morning service today. And I want to invite you to next week. We'll begin, uh, will be the second week of our electives in our Sunday school classes. So I hope you can come and join us for Sunday school next week as we will, the current studies will go through the month of July. Uh, let's pray as we open God's word. Father, as we open your word this morning now, we uh, just pray that we will listen to your words. I thank you for our children that are in, uh, in the children's church and children's choir now and those in the early childhood program. We thank you so much for the leaders and teachers that prepare and invest their lives in teaching them. We thank you for our young people and those that teach and lead them and for those who are ministering and serving as we meet today. And so we ask your blessing upon us now as we open your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, as we were in one of our uh, class sessions for our Bible instruction class, and uh, we were working on uh, the Nicene Creed. I forgot to have you guys get up and say that today, the Nicene Creed. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, okay, yeah. And uh, they were memorizing the Nicene Creed. And um, one of the, uh, a couple of the young people came by, and they needed to, to get somewhere in the church, and they wanted to borrow my key. So I just kind of say, hey, should I let him borrow my key? And everybody kind of, well, I don't know, we we're kind of joking around. And one of the guys says, well, I'll, how about if I say the Nicene Creed for you? He was a student from a couple of years ago. And I said, oh, okay. And he said it. He said the whole Nicene Creed. And uh, that was encouraging that people remember these things, okay? And uh, he remembered the Nicene Creed, and he said the whole Nicene Creed uh, for our class. Um, when I was in confirmation, Bible instruction, back in the 60s, Pastor Peterson, Lloyd Peterson, our founding pastor, he had us, every class that was in that era, I'm sure you can all remember and relate to this, uh, we all learned a definition of faith. I mentioned that a few weeks ago. And it's just interesting, as though he, a couple of people have talked to me and said, oh, I, 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 you mentioned that a couple of weeks ago, and I remember that. And uh, we all memorized the definition of faith. Maybe I'll reintroduce this to our next class, maybe. But uh, the faith is that complex act of the soul involving intellect, emotions, and will in apprehending Jesus Christ and his redemptive work. That was the definition that we all remember and memorized. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we were talking about this in one of our small groups, the men's Bible study last month, about a definition of faith. And we were studying Hebrews 11, and someone said, well, there's a pretty good definition of faith right in verse 1. And we began this study from Hebrews 11 with this. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So I want to put those two thoughts together for a few moments this morning as we uh, consider God's word, that faith involves intellect, emotions, and will, what we think what we feel, and what we do in our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the author of Hebrews says, it is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. The idea that it's, it's, it's here now and it also involves the future. Faith. What is faith in your life? 
What does faith mean to you? How do you live and walk by faith? This past week, I know in my interactions with various people in our church, um, the different things, we've shared some of the hospital uh, emergency type calls and surgeries and different things. Walking by faith. What does this mean for you? What was it like for you this past week to walk by faith? Now, our passage this morning, as we've been going through Hebrews 11 and some of these characters of faith, this morning we have sung some songs about Abraham and Abraham's faith and the, the patriarchs. And our, our, our text this morning actually is, is fairly short. It's the rest of what we call the patriarchs. Last week we ended in verse 19 with Abraham. And then in verse 20 of chapter 11. And verse 20, 21, and 22. By faith... Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. That's it for Isaac. 180 years old, the longest living of all the patriarchs. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons, and he worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt, and he gave instructions about his bones. One short verse for each of these patriarchs. Now, sometimes people don't consider Joseph a patriarch, but in the sense that two of his sons were two half-tribes of Israel, I think it is fair to consider him as one of the patriarchs. This is about the faith of the patriarchs. So if you were to take this section of Scripture from Genesis, we have quite a large section of Scripture to uh, consider and to cover uh, if we were to look at this section. So in order to touch on a little bit of what faith meant to them and how, how this works out, I thought we would just take like one little snippet from this section and see how this applies. And I'd like you to go back to Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35, and we're going to look at one little snippet from the life of the patriarchs in chapter 35 and take a look and consider what faith meant to them in terms of their understanding, their feelings, and their actions, and their hope for the future. And this really has to do with the family of Jacob. So in chapter 35, Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there. And build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. And if you remember the story, Jacob and Esau were twins. Uh, and uh, Esau was the older of the twins. And, but but Isaac, uh, Rebekah was told by God that the elder shall serve the younger, that the younger would have precedence, which was completely against anything culturally that was accepted. But that's what God said that Jacob would be the one who would inherit the blessing. Remember the story that uh, Jacob and Esau, uh, that Isaac wanted to give Esau a blessing, but instead he gave Jacob the blessing when they tricked him as to who was who. And Jacob had to leave his brother Esau, and he went up north where he met his wife. He married Rachel and Leah, and he wanted to marry Rachel. He agreed to work seven years for Rachel. And then... Father substituted Leah for Rachel. And, of course, he had to work seven more years for Rachel because 
uh, it was a, they said it was a custom the younger had to get married uh, after the older. And so he had to marry Leah, then Rachel. But the Bible says it seemed like just no time at all. He worked 14 years. 14 years he worked as a servant, basically, for the right to have Rachel as his wife. And then they come back down uh, from up north. And they come back down to the promised land. And they are coming back. And Bethel is a very important place in this story. And Jacob comes to Bethel after he has uh, come back in and has been safe. And he settles down there and he builds an altar to God who appeared to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now look at verse 2. We're going to look at a couple of funerals today, a couple of burials this morning, and a couple of blessings. There's actually four burials in this chapter. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you. Purify yourselves. Change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone. Now, I want you to turn back, to keep something there, and go back to Genesis chapter 28. And we'll see where the importance of this story. In Genesis chapter 28, when Jacob is at um, Bethel before, and on his way leaving the promised land, and he's, he's going as a refugee really up north, and then he's going to marry Leah and Rachel. And just before that takes place, we have this account where we, we call Jacob's Ladder, this vision of the angels coming up and down on the ladder. And he receives the promise of the blessing. Um, we see in verse 13, there above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land in which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Our young people this morning, one of the questions was, what is the Abrahamic blessing? A people, a land. And worldwide blessing. And this is conferred and reminded to Jacob. And as Jacob, as this vision ends, and it says in verse 18, early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head. He set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called that place Bethel. Though the city used to be called Lutz. Bethel in Hebrew, Baith or Beth means house. And El means God. Bethlehem uh, means the house of bread or the house of the baker. So anytime you see a Beth with a name, it means house of something. Bethel, he said, this is, this is the house of God. And he built an altar there and he poured the oil on it. And then he makes a vow. Now, we talked about faith. That faith is a complex act of soul involving intellect, your mind, what you think, how you respond. And look, he makes a decision here. He makes a decision. And in verse 20, he says, it may, Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, God has just said, I'm going with you. I am bringing you back. If indeed God will be with me 
and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear. If he will sustain me, food, clothes, and my life, and he brings me back safely so I may return safely to my father's house, then, then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So Jacob makes a promise to God. And in his mind, he looks over this situation and he reasons it. Then in his faith, and he says, God, if, if, you, will, if you, you have promised me this, I am leaving now. It's going to be a very dangerous situation. I'm leaving my brother. I'm leaving my home, just like Abraham, and he left his home and everything. I'm going up, I'm going to have to go up north. He didn't know what the future holds. And as he goes there, he says, Lord, if indeed this is what you promised to me, if I come back to this place, and I come back, and you've, you've, you've kept me fed, and you've kept me clothed, and you bring me back to this place, I will serve you here. And I will give a tenth, I will sacrifice to you, and, and, and give a tithe to you, a tenth of anything that I have. And in his mind, he reasons this. And, it, and it's an act of faith. I know you might think, well, it's sort of conditional if God brings me back. But in the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament, this, this, this word if can also have the idea of since and understanding that, God, you promise this when you bring me back to this place. If I'm still alive, I come back here. This is what I am going to do. And so all the other events take place. The marriage to Leah and to Rachel, his father-in-law, uh, taking advantage of him. And uh, you can read the story of how the, the, the grief he goes through and how much he serves and works and how much he changes. And then he comes back and we come back to chapter 35. And this is the context here. God says, go to Bethel. Where you promised, you made this oath. Go back to Bethel and build the altar there. Remember when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Go back there. And so that's what we just read in verse 2. They come back to Bethel. And I want you to notice what he says here. Isn't this interesting in verse 2 of chapter 35 we just read? Get rid of the foreign gods in his household, his wives and their handmaidens. And all that the, they've come back. He, he left with nothing by himself. He comes back as a whole tribe, if you will, a whole clan of people with many possessions and everything. He comes back this journey. They're a Bedouin group. They're traveling and they're moving from place to place. And they come back to Bethel. And when they get there, evidently there is still all these foreign gods and idols and, and, and things of worship and jewelry and things that speak of the different gods from the lands they lived in. This world is, this world is, is very distant from our thinking. I, I don't know that we can really relate to this idea of idolatry. You know, in, in the Old Testament, it was never an issue of so much Israel's God, Yahweh, didn't exist. You know, Pharaoh didn't say, I don't believe there's a Yahweh. What he said to Moses, who is he? I have my God. Never, who is he? And when it, when it came down to this, whose God was more powerful than the other God? And this is the world they lived in. And so you see this syncretism, this blending. This, is, this was the sin of Israel. Israel's sin, as you go through the Old Testament, you come to the end of the story in the Old Testament, Israel's sin is they are still worshiping God, of sorts, but they are mixing it up with everything else. They are worshiping Baal and Asherah and all the other gods as well, and their God is just one among many gods. And God says, I hate this. 
Because, because it's, it's a sin. You, you take carved things that humans make and then pray to them as if they're something that they're not. And idolatry is so pervasive. And so Jacob comes back to this place and he says to himself, he has made this decision. He has made this decision when he left. And now he comes back. And I want you to notice the volition, the act of will here. That he makes a choice. He makes a choice. This is an act of faith. This is an act of faith that he is asking all of his family to do, all the extended relatives, to abandon everything that they think is going to help them. I mean, you know, these are people who depend on the weather. They depend on their crops when they stop and plant. They depend on grazing grounds for their sheep and their cattle. And, and they worship the gods of the, of the rain and the, and the sun and the earth and reproduction and everything else. And he is asking them to give it all up. Give everything up. Get rid of it. And we are only going to worship God, the God of Abraham and Isaac. And so he, he brings all these things together. You notice in verse 2 again, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you. And then notice he says, and purify yourselves and change your clothes. And the Hebrew here indicates a, a water baptism, a water purification, a cleansing rite. Where they were to wash themselves, as we see in, when, when, when John the Baptist comes out and baptizes the Jews and they come in Judea and the river and baptizes an act of, of repentance and shows their cleansing. He says, cleanse yourself, purify yourself, change your clothes, then come. After you've done this, after you have changed your heart and you've shown it by changing your clothes and purifying yourselves and getting rid of all the, and bring them in all the foreign gods and everything you have, then let us go up to Bethel, house of God, where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. God, if you go with me, give me clothes to wear, food to eat, I will come back here. That's all I ask. And he says, God did this. He went with me and he brought me back. And then he says, and this says verse 4, they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had, and notice the rings in their ears, the amulets, all the different things that they worshipped. And Jacob, here's the first burial, Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. He buried them. They got them all together, and they dug a hole. And by an act of will, by an act of will, he showed his faith in God, and ask them to show their faith in God by getting rid of all the things that they thought helped them. And they, and they visually saw this hole in the ground, and they visually saw all these valuable idols and jewelry and all the things that they were depending on, as well as the God of Israel, the God of Abraham and Isaac. And they put them in the ground, and they covered them with dirt, and they buried them under the oak tree there. Stop and think, what are the things that we depend on? Has God ever asked you, has God ever asked you to bury things that you are counting on? Have you ever had to bury them and put them away and acknowledge that they are not going to save you? They may not sustain you, that you have to depend on God. They visually did this. This is the first burial of four in Genesis chapter 35. It was an act of will. Faith is that complex act of the soul involving intellect, emotions, and will. 
and he expressed his faith in God by burying and asking everybody with him to put it in the ground and to cover it up and to say goodbye. They're dead. They are no longer there to help you. In verse 5, they set out. And notice the blessing of God. The terror of God fell upon the, the, the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is, Bethel in the land of Canaan, where the place that he left and started his journey, he has come back to, and his whole clan of people and animals and servants and everything that came back with him, he came back as a very wealthy man. And he came back with everything God had given him, and he comes back to the house of God. You notice it says he called the place El Bethel, God's house of God. You see El there twice, because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. He's come full circle. The story of faith, of trusting God. He left with nothing. His life was in danger. He returns with children, with his family with his servants, with his sustenance, and he comes back as Bedouin, back to Bethel. That was burial number one. Verse eight. Now Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died and was buried under the oak below Bethel. So it was named Alan Bakuth. If you have a note in your Bible and you look down to the note, it says, Alan Bakuth means oak of weeping. You know, the, the stories in Hebrews 11, I know that so many characters are, um, are men. And this is a patriarchal society. And there are women of faith, too. You know, we, there, are, there, are, there are seminars, you know, women of faith and so forth. And here's one that, this is it. This is all you get of Deborah. This verse, that's it. We aren't told anything else about her. But it's interesting. Again, in, in studying this, I've, I've used some of my, my Jewish commentaries. They're not from a Christian standpoint. I have those, of course, as well. But I enjoy the Jewish publications. What, what is their view of this? How they interpret? And there's interesting the attention given to this. That this is so unusual. I mean, think about it. How many women in the Bible are noted where their burial place is? let alone how many men are the patriarchs and so forth, are we specifically noted where they are buried? I mean, I can't think of very many women. You know, there, there's Abraham's tomb in, where Sarah is buried and Leah is buried in, uh, in, in Hebron. But, but, but where are the women buried? Where are their notoriety? And yet there's something about this Deborah and the Jewish commentaries note this as well. There's something about her that was so special. It's like whoever read this the first time, we believe Moses wrote the five books of Moses, that when he wrote this, evidently, it was like, yeah, Deborah, Deborah's burial spot. It's like if I said to you, you know, Lincoln Monument or Grant's tomb and so forth. Um, you know, these are places that you think of, the unknown soldier. And it's sort of like this was kind of common knowledge. Yes, in Bethel, there is an oak tree where Deborah is buried. Who was Deborah? Why was she so important that she gets this notoriety here 
And from that time forth, they knew where Deborah was buried. Deborah was Jacob's mother's nurse, if you will, or servant. It was his nurse. In those days, they would have a, a servant who would help care for the child, often called the mistress, you know, in the sense that it was the servant of his mother. And Deborah, this is who Deborah is. She was Rebecca's nurse in the sense that she was really Jacob's nurse and helper. We might say today Jacob's nanny, Jacob's caregiver. This lady, Rebecca, after his mother had died, Rebecca stayed with his family and stayed with him. She evidently showed her faith in God And I think she is one of the household of faith. When we get to the end of Hebrews and it just sort of lumps together and says, and all these other people, I think in the Jewish mind, Rebecca, Deborah is one of these women of faith because she was Rebecca's servant and nurse who chose to stay with Jacob and his family. And they buried her. And we are specifically told where they buried her. And I think in the day that Moses wrote this, those who read this the first time were like, yeah, that's it. It's in Bethel at that oak tree, that oak tree that's called Alan Bakuth. That's where she's buried. Faith, the complex act of the soul involving our minds, Jacob says, God, if you go with me, I will come back here. I will serve you. I will offer to you. If, if you will, this is fair. You, you take care of me and I will come back and we will see this fulfilled. Will. Bring all your idols. Bring everything you have. We are going to bury them. We are going to make a decision whether you like it or not. If you are either with me or against me, bring them and we bury them. And we watch them buried. And the emotion. I mean, think of this burial scene. This is, this is, this is the end of the story of, of Jacob's mother. This is the one who is connected to Jacob's mother. This is, his, this is his story. And I'm sure this is an emotional thing. I'm sure they gather around. This wasn't something, well, go, go bury Deborah over there somewhere and you know, plant a marker and we'll move on. I could imagine the whole clan gathering together. All these people gathering together. And Deborah is buried. And they mourn over Deborah. And they recount the story of, of Isaac and Rebekah. And this is the end of the story of, of Rebekah, in a sense, and Jacob and his, and his mother. You know, Rebekah was a tremendous woman of faith, too. You know, you might think that when, when um, Jacob and Esau, when, when, when Rebekah had Jacob trick Isaac to receive the blessing... On one hand, we can look at that as trickery, as deceitfulness. And there was deceitfulness in it. They lied to Isaac. But also, don't forget, God told Rebekah, the elder will serve the younger. That's my choice. That's my choice. And I'm sure that Rebekah told Isaac, and Isaac knew this. And yet Isaac was planning to bless Esau against God's word. And Rebekah stepped in and made sure that Jacob was blessed. Because God said, the younger will serve, the elder will serve the younger. These are women of 
faith. Women who serve God. Deborah's burial place. And Deborah rises to the rank of those few people who are noted. This is where they are buried. This is a place of sorrow and weeping, but it's a place of faith. So we'll conclude this morning. Tonight we're going to look at the other two funerals, burials in this passage. In verse 9, after Jacob returned from Padanaram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. And God said to him, God confirms on him the blessing of the patriarchs. Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be called Israel. He's already once before told him that you will be known as Israel when he, when he wrestled with God. But now God confirms it on him. This is your name. You are Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. Kings will come from your body. The land I gave to Abraham and to Isaac, I also gave to you. I will give you this land to your descendants after you. And God went up from him at that place where he had talked with him. And Jacob once again sets up a stone pillar where God talked to him. And he calls the place Bethel, the house of God. You know, it's interesting. Everything in these stories, every aspect of it, has to do with the future. I will give you the promise of your fathers. I will give you a land. I will give you worldwide blessing. I will give you generations, but it is going to come after you. Jacob does not settle down there. Jacob does not build a house there. As I mentioned before, every place they go, they are temporary. The only place they own is in Hebron, where they have their tomb. And he moves on from here. And you will read the story that he moves on toward modern-day Bethlehem and then back to Hebron. They're moving. They are pilgrims. Everything about their life has to do with the future, but everything about their life has to do with serving God now. Through their mind, through their will, and through their emotions, their total being. And it's all looking ahead to what God has promised them for the future. Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is being sure of the things that we do not see and the things that we hope for. I want to conclude this morning as we consider this is an important day in our church, in our church family. It's a day that we recognize our graduates of our Bible instruction class. And of course, as I said before, um, for many years, our confirmation class. And it's a time that we recognize the, the importance of, of sharing the word. We are, we are passing on a tradition here. We're passing on to you, uh, young men and women, a, a tradition, a heritage. It's an important one. And that's because we are people who live and walk by faith now, today, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we are a people who look toward the future, realizing that what is yet in store, God will make sure that it takes place. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy, one of the questions with the, the pastoral epistles is, the Apostle Paul comes to the end of his life, and he tells Timothy, because Paul's going to die. He is going to die. He has worked hard. He's lived by faith through his intellect, his emotions, and his will, everything about his life, he is going to die. 
And he is going to leave this work to those behind him. And Timothy, who he is invested in. You then, chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, you entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. And this is a day that we affirm in our church family the importance of the public teaching ministry of God's Word. The public teaching ministry of God's Word through our teaching and our preaching, through our small groups, through our sharing, that we believe it is important. These young people, they had 280 questions they had to review for today. Lots of them were facts. Lots of them were concepts. And the point of it is, as they learn God's Word and learn more about God and apply this Word to their lives, that their lives will truly be lives of faith that will involve not just the intellect, but will involve the intellect, but will involve their emotions, their feelings, their feelings toward God, their feelings toward other people, their feelings toward one another. And it certainly will involve their will. God told, God told through the Old Testament, know to do. Know this law so you can do this law. And the Apostle Paul leaves to Timothy. Timothy, as I leave you, I want you to stand strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the things you have heard from me, I want you to teach to the next generation so they can teach others. We walk by faith. And not by sight. Two burials. Two burials in Genesis 35. To bury the things willfully. That we sometimes get caught up in and think somehow these. Yeah, God will help us, but this, this will be good too. And to come to that place in our lives say, yeah, God will help us because God knows how to take care of what belongs to him. And also to remember those who have invested in our lives, the Debras in your life. Who are the Debras in your life who by faith stayed with you, who by faith stood by you, who by faith pray for you and teach you? Who are those Debras that they chose to stay with God's people and to stay with the ones whom they've been entrusted to and we bury them and we remember, and we remember the story that they, like us, we are looking ahead to what God has for us. We're going to close our service. We're going to sing that last song we sang one more time. And tonight we're going to look at two more burials in this chapter as we walk by faith and live by faith. Hallelujah. Amen. As we leave today, I'm just, I'm just so thankful for the for you who lead and teach our young people, our teenagers, our children, and our early childhood, we are investing in their lives. This is the fruit of some of that this morning. In a few weeks, Pastor Kevin will have the seniors that are graduating. We have some who have returned home from college and have been with us throughout the year in our college ministry as well that serve here. I'm so thankful for those who invest in their lives, and I hope you're praying for them. I hope you pray for our young people. I hope you pray for our children and for those who teach and lead them and commit.
to training them in the things of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of having a place to come where we can freely open your word. We thank you for these stories, Lord, of the people of faith who went before, even in the Old Testament, a different culture, a whole different world in a sense than ours that we can relate to. And yet, the simple matter of walking by faith and living by faith, as, as Jacob said, to give me food and clothes and bring me back here. That's what I need. And Lord, I've just been, I've been struck this week and just really never give much thought before to Deborah. And to think, Lord, that uh, her faith was, was so strong, her testimony is so strong and powerful that the whole community recognized when they buried her and gave it a name. It's a place to remember the Deborahs who have invested in our life. And I thank you for that. And I thank you that as we invest in lives today, that we will be true to that. And that we will serve you with joy, with thankfulness, and a walk in your love this week. Again, we thank you for these dear young people. And we pray your blessing on them. And thank you for their sharing in our Bible instruction class. In our Lord's name we pray. Amen.